for what is officially the 100th time. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the wrestling podcast. That's wrestling spot W-R-S-T-L-I-N-G. It's all of the graps, but without the E. But of course, me, G, we're not anti-E. We're simply pro wrestling. My name is Liam. This guy is Gareth. Hey! An extra Hi, long yeah, one yeah, for yeah. the yeah, an extra special one for the hundredth uh, episode. There we go. We made it, folks. We made it to one hundred episodes. Don't believe the feed. This is officially episode one hundred. I can't quite believe we made it here. Actually, this uh, this felt like a long, long way away when we started out. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure it was uh, ever going to happen. No, the little podcast that kid. Indeed, indeed, wonderful stuff. So, first and foremost, a big thank you to everybody whether you've been listening from day one or this is your first episode. Thank you so much for joining us. We really have appreciated your company and uh, and continue to do so. And whilst we're issuing the thank yous, I think it would be remiss of us not to thank Inside the Ropes for giving us the launch pad for this here podcast and indeed all of the uh, frequent contributors like our pal Farah, Balianaki, Mr. Haku and others that have come on the podcast more often than not. We really do appreciate that and them putting their time towards it as well. Special shout out to Sandra as well, who uh, has done more than her fair share in the early days of the podcast. So there we go, friends. And we've got an exciting episode today. This is an interview that we've been chasing since day one. We finally got it. We're delighted. We're going to be speaking to Chris Brooks, the main man of DDT just recently over here back in the UK as well, somebody that we followed since he was in the UK. And it's a really fun conversation. It, it lived up to my expectations and more. Oh, I was really, really glad that we finally got to do yeah. that. Um, so big thanks to Chris and to, and to DDT as well for helping put that together. But before we get into that, we just wanted to tell you about a few new wrinkles that we're adding to, adding to our offering. So as you will know from last week the chris brooks episode is the first one which we are launching on our brand new youtube page the link of which you can find in the description notes or indeed on our link tree we're really excited about that uh nice to be able to do a bit of video we're probably gonna restrict it to the interviews but you never know we, if you want to just see us talking about wrestling that could happen as well let us know but for the most part i suspect we'll, we'll keep that to the interviews so you can if you're listening to this one you feel like really want to see what chris is thinking you know when he's talking to these guys then head over to the youtube page and you can do just that and there'll be more interviews hopefully some from the back catalog as well uploaded in due course we're working on it in addition to this we've got the youtube page we are also launching a patreon which anybody who listens to podcasts regularly is rolling your (laughs) eyes like of course you are (laughs) but look friends you know this is life after 100 we want to keep building this thing up it's not without cost podcasting so we just like to cover those and also be able to put a little bit towards making things bigger and better so we have got a patreon set up now if you would consider taking a look at that be very grateful there's various tiers that all kind of go up incrementally with different things on offer ranging from regular shout outs access to our our brand new exclusive discord channel which is going to be a lot of fun really looking forward to interacting more tightly with you guys on there early access to interview episodes is going to be uh, on one of the tiers a monthly article from yours truly Uh, i'm allegedly a writer so i'll be putting (laughs) that together so that should be quite good fun and even if you want to go right up to the top tier uh, we've named all of these after suplexes. So the top one is the Avalanche Vertical Suplex tier. If you want to put all the chips in, go high risk, then more or less you can just curate the show with us. You know, you can have a hand in 
putting this thing together. So, and we'd be grateful to have you guys on board. Uh, in addition, thanks so much to everybody who got involved with our poll the other day. Uh, one of the things that came out of that was the desire for some retro reviews. So that's something that we'll probably be looking to add to that offering in due course as well. So please do consider checking out the Patreon. I think that's going to grow and change and evolve as time goes by based off of, you know, listener demand. Um, you know, so if there's something you're really after and we're not serving up uh, on Patreon, let us know and we'll we'll see if we can make that a reality for you. If a monthly payment is not for you, which we completely understand and appreciate, but you did still want to chuck something our way every now and again to say cheers or whatever you want to do, um, we do have a Kofi as well, which is up. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, everything, if you just go to uh, wrestlingpod.com, that is the the easiest way to get to our link tree, which will have the links to the Patreon, the YouTube, and the Kofi. If you, you know, you like Liam said, you want to give us throw us a couple of beans we'd be eternally grateful but as always we're just grateful for your company as well so no pressure whatsoever mate just uh, relax enjoy it's all good the other thing that's changed as well hopefully if you've seen on our on our twitter page we've got a new banner by the amazing matt charlton yes what really? a hero what a legend um, he very kindly put myself and gareth to the pen so you can uh, see that now proudly displayed at the uh, the top of our Twitter feed at Wrestling Pod. That's wrestling about the you can find that on Twitter. So big thanks to Matt for putting that together. Go check out his work. He is the absolute man. His details are in the show notes as well. So do follow him. Um, so in short, we're doing video. We've got a Patreon. We've got more things coming, more content, which is going to be available to to tier members. And we've also got a Kofi and we've got a new banner. It's all happening. Yeah. From episode 100 so again a big thanks to everybody just for joining us and anyway without any further ado we should get on with this interview so yes we're going to send it over to myself gareth and the legendary the finest british export <laughs> quite possibly <laughs> i'm not sure he'd agree with you he but... probably wouldn't, he wouldn't but we're sending it over to the main man chris brooks okay friends we are back it's a very exciting one for episode 100 we finally got the main man UK's finest export, quite possibly. Chris Brooks is on the podcast. Chris, welcome to the show, my friend. Hello, hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for hyping me up in the introduction. <laughs> I appreciate that. I wouldn't particularly describe myself as exciting or a main man, but I'm grateful. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've finally filled that Chris Brooks-shaped hole in like our backlog. Uh, we, you know, we've just spoken to basically every single one of your uh, your friends as the long con to finally get you here <laughs> you filled that long that long thin hole in the, yeah. in the wall this has been the thread throughout 100 episodes yeah. just like... <laughs> really good to have you on and um, how is um you've been in japan now for just over two years is it yeah two two and a half years or so a little bit oh, over now i guess it'll be three in um february next year so is it safe to say you're fully acclimatized then i think so yeah uh the first year was kind of difficult um oh, i bet because i was in like a short stay apartment mm-hmm. uh because the way like visas over here work and residence cards the zyru cards you can't get a residence card unless your visa's longer than six months so in the beginning i was doing three months and i would like keep renewing it every three months like it was recurring right. So I couldn't get a residence card, so I couldn't get uh, my own apartment. There was a lot of things you can't do with that one. You can't, it's difficult to join gyms, get bank accounts, things oh, like wow. that. Oh, really? But then, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so I think I came, uh, I think when I came back in February 2020, it was on re-entry of the visa that I'd had for 
uh, DO in 2019. Mm. So that visa hadn't expired and they got me a re-entry to come in. And then I think I'd renewed on a three months, two more times or one more time. And then they finally gave me a six so I could get the residence card. And then after that, I got a year and a year. So oh yeah some 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 way like that but now yeah uh very acclimatized i have an apartment here and stuff and mm. all that jazz and it's, Great. it's good it's nice when you originally went out how long had you did you have a particular time in mind for how long you're going to be out there for initially ddt said a year but i think um the reason they wanted to sort of time stamp it like that was um if they'd have just said in the initial thing when it was announced I was coming over. Chris uh, Chris Brooks is moving to Japan indefinitely. <laughs> they were worried that like uh, fans in England uh, or people like that would be worried or like even the fans in Japan, like that's a big uh, commitment to make. Mm. And mm. I think they were cautious. They didn't want to uh, be like, oh, he's just moving here with no end in sight and then have people worry like, oh, is he going to be okay? Is he going to cope? Is he going to be lonely or whatever? So, but I mean, when I moved here, in my mind, um it was announced as a year but it was gonna be longer than that and that was friends and stuff were aware of that my family were aware of that mm-hmm. and i suppose where well, you had a few friends out there already but was it was it difficult kind of creating that new sort of sport network out there or did you find it relatively easy not really to be honest i think um you'll often hear of people uh, when they come over to japan to work and stuff uh foreigners and whatnot they'll say um that they perhaps found it difficult to make friends or meet people or felt like isolated or whatever but i think due to the nature of the job that i do Mm. um i was immediately thrown in not in like a deep end that that sounds uh a bit daunting but i mean you'll get people come over and they'll be doing for example like um the ALT, the assistant language teacher, or mm. they're teaching English or something like that. And then they're working in a school and uh, they're going to end up just socializing with other English teachers, other ALTs and mm. stuff like that. And they talk about like, oh, it's, it's difficult to meet people and whatnot. And I think um, it isn't that difficult if you throw yourself into it and make an effort to meet people. I always hear about how it's difficult to meet people and like Japanese the culture is like, oh, people aren't so outgoing to strangers or things like that. But mm. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Or I think if you make the effort to learn a bit of the language and stuff as well, mm. you'll find it a lot easier and you'll integrate much easier that way. Yeah. Me and Drew Parker get drunk all the time and just <laughs> wander around Shinjuku, uh, challenging strangers <laughs> to games of darts, <laughs> striking up <laughs> conversations. <laughs> that's people certainly one way to do it. People aren't, uh, aren't wary or difficult to it's not difficult to meet people i don't think yeah. i think people get stuck in a bubble and then they feel like it's harder than it is maybe mm. whereas i was yeah. here in it i was here in my in ddtm the only foreigner or especially was for the two years of the pandemic so mm. i didn't find it hard to meet people make friends socialize things like that so i never really had that, that period where i was feeling lonely or isolated mm. no oh that is really good that is good to hear because yeah. i mean with the pandemic in particular, especially yeah yeah there's sort of that concern you could see it being a real difficulty just like having the opportunity to get out 
and meet people. But yeah, obviously, luckily, DDT and Chocker Pro, you know, still we're still kind of running things for the most part. You must have that must have felt really weird for you because you know that with DDT and Chocker Pro, those are ostensibly two of the only promotions that were running throughout that period. You know, most places there's no wrestling at all. Oh no, yeah, for sure, and I think that in part too is a a factor for not having those feelings of isolation especially during like you said the start of the pandemic where everyone was kind of like staying home housebound and uh having to deal with that i mean ddt was still running shows just with no fans in the buildings and choco pro was obviously running as well so i never really even had like a particularly long period of staying at home mm. besides like when you're not working of course and because for a period all the bars and stuff were closed and things like that but by and large, I mean, I was still relatively busy the whole time, even sure. at the beginning with the pandemic here. Things didn't really stop for long, not fully, at least. Mm. There was always something going on still. And are you someone that, do you quite enjoy your own company, though, when if there is like that downtime and there's nothing going on, are you do you find it okay just hanging out on your own? Oh, goodness, yes. I absolutely love <laughs> being alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. I, I, I miss those days. I've got a, I've got a young daughter now, so I'm so... <laughs> seldom alone but uh, it's uh, back in the day i think i don't know i can't speak for everyone obviously but i think doing wrestling and stuff because um even when it's not a show or something you're still kind of constantly under a public eye or like Mm. a kind of scrutiny even like you you can't escape it if you're on your phone yeah scrolling you're constantly getting notifications and and things like that so Mm -hmm. i think i really enjoy switching off and not uh, not like paying attention to stuff like that and being alone and things and being able to try and forget about wrestling and whatever for a little bit so you're busy with the wrestling and then when you do get time to be on your own i'm not sad about it no yeah no no, that makes sense what are your kind of go-to you know like i know you like a bit of gaming but like what are your kind of go-to activities when you're just like hanging out on your own is there anything you know like pop culture stuff that you kind of have really been digging into Mm, not uh particularly i go through fads i'm very faddy with the things Mm. that i enjoy doing in my spare time so for a while i'll be like obsessed with watching i don't know tv shows or something then i'll get into a habit of watching a few movies a day Mm. or something else and then i mean uh recently i've started doing like some drawing and painting and stuff i'm absolutely dog shit at it but (laughs) it's fun to do (laughs) but i'll probably you know get bored of that sooner or later anyway and start something else reading go through fads of liking to read a lot so mm. i think it's nice just like having some stuff that's just for yourself as well like with the kind of arts you know just mm. there's no point to it other than just to kind of the enjoyment of it and potentially working to get better for yourself like i think that's that's lovely like you you know i think it's important to have those kind of little hobbies right i think uh recently especially that's been fun to do because i don't feel any um obligation to then have to share it with anyone because obviously mm-hmm. you you put a lot of effort and stuff into the creative process of wrestling and things like that but then again like it's constantly under scrutiny and being criticized by people like positive and negative but then yeah i think recently it's been fun to do something with no interest in it mm. being for anyone or having anyone <laughs> kind of critique it or anything it's just oh i did it and i like it and that's yeah. fine or i don't like it but that's also fine yeah no I, I get that completely i guess it's also tough having a, a friend in davis who's obviously a very talented artist 
just like no sorry you can never see this yeah, davis is great davis is great and he's like it was always not frustrating i always would try and encourage him to do more with it because i mm. think he is really i think he's a really talented illustrator and i think he could do a lot more than he chooses to do with it but i also understand mm. not wanting the pressure of doing it again on top of like you already wrestle and stuff like that so <laughs> yeah, i understand him not trying to do more with it but especially during the pandemic when like, in australia there was no wrestling yeah. i was really trying to encourage him to do more because i think he's really good at stuff like that oh absolutely mm. and um you know just going back to the having moved to japan you know just really curious that you know having you know you obviously made that adjustment pretty well but looking back if you had that time again do you think there's anything that you'd have done differently mm, no no not really but i don't i try not to smashed it no 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 not necessarily in that sense i always try and have like the mantra motto of uh not living with regretting anything yeah because it's, i mean you can't change things anyway and positive or negative whatever you did it it's you ended up where you are today and if that mm. place you are at now is good <laughs> then you don't need to regret stuff that you did before so i don't know yes. i wouldn't change anything yeah i mean i could say like i could have made more of an effort to pick up more of the language quicker mm. but i mean i don't i wouldn't wouldn't say i'd change it really or <laughs> it's all right it's fine you did what was right for you at the time yeah that that feeling i suppose mm. how are you with the language now are you pretty much fluent or? No, no, no. I'm not fluent, <laughs> but I am getting a lot better, especially over the last couple of months. I'm kind of finding more of like a rhythm with it now and mm-hmm. things. Whereas um, I think initially just using it is quite intimidating. You're cautious of making mistakes and stuff. That's a good uh, good uh, a way in which Drew is a lot better than me. At, uh, he's much better at me, than me at Japanese anyway, but he's a lot less... Um, worried about making mistakes with it he'll just like go with it and if he makes mistakes he makes mistakes whereas mm. I'll typically only say things I'm confident are going to be correct instead of chancing it and getting things wrong yeah um, yeah that's that's very much mine and Gareth's relationship to be honest with you I'm, I'm like Drew I'll just give something a go and fingers crossed yeah. it works out sort of thing but, <laughs> I'm yeah. a lot more sort of measured and kind of cautious but yeah I think recently I've got a lot better. There's been like a lot of good opportunity for practice, mm. especially with people like um, Andrew Everett and Janella and Kara coming over. And even when we went over to um, Thailand recently and did the Gato mm. move thing, yeah. um, I found myself playing interpreter between like the guys from Singapore or the the Thai guys because they could speak English pretty well, but not a lick of Japanese. And then Masa really doesn't speak a lot of English. <laughs> the same with like Kirihara. So. I found like we'd go out and we'd drink and stuff and I'd be like interpreting things back mm. and forth between everyone. And as I was doing it, I was like, oh, I'm quite decent at this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I can do pretty well at this now, but I still, I really hate speaking it on camera. Yeah. I don't, I don't enjoy doing that. Like the DDT press conferences and things. <laughs> then it's for all the world to, you know, people can kind of go back over it and kind of scrutinize it, I guess. Whereas it was just like off the cuff, I guess putting, getting put in those like positions where like, they need you like Chris we need you know we need your assistance here like they're not going to be able to like figure out what anybody's saying without your your help in that mm. you know in Thailand you know you're like oh shit I really I know more than I thought you know more than you think you do yeah. right yeah exactly but I still think um it's quite funny that I'll see someone over here that I haven't seen in a few years and they're surprised 
if we'll go out and we'll be drinking and talking and whatever they're like oh you really can't speak a lot of japanese but you don't like because drew will do like he'll do like all his press conferences and stuff in japanese and things like still it's very impressive but i'll still do it in english so i think people kind of get this um image that i can speak less than i can and then when i do talk to people and i'm in like a comfortable setting they're like oh no you're very good <laughs> um yeah i still really don't feel comfortable doing it no. publicly not on no, camera i don't like it i'm always staggered. We, we've had um uh, balinaki on here quite a few times and i'm always staggered at his grasp of like every language he can oh aki is ridiculous yeah. but he yeah. had like such a trial by fire with the choco person <laughs> because literally during the first year or whatever year and a half of the pandemic every day it would just be aki may masa maybe sakura in Ichigaya together and they're only going to be talking Japanese to each other mm-hmm. so when you think about it like that way he's essentially getting because he's done formal studying before too but then with that it's like every day if you're with them for five or six hours or whatever you get five or six hours of of study essentially because you're yeah. listening to everything mm-hmm. they say and communicating about with them so I think uh yeah Aki's ridiculous he's really good <laughs> and he he got like that trial by fire of the pandemic and being with uh, those guys every day and then drew even as well i mean in he joined big japan at first he moved here before me mm. and in big japan really no one speaks english so it was again kind of like a thing of uh, learn it or don't speak to anyone whereas yeah. in ddt especially at the beginning there was like mr haku shota speaks english mm. kizo speaks english and then a lot of the wrestlers are also um whereas in big japan no one's particularly interested in learning english there's like quite a few guys in ddt that are like actively interested in learning english so right. they would want to practice english with me whereas i would want to practice japanese with them <laughs> but they'd want to so it works like that like guys like Wayno and mao and Takeshita, they would always be like oh te- teach me english teach me english i want to practice english so it was a lot easier for me to integrate in that sense too because mm. there's like the support of hacker and people and then people around me still trying to speak english so yeah, and like Takeshi's English has got really good now. He's got his, great his, We spoke to him, I think it was back on episode four was the first time we had him on. And then he kind of came on again a little bit about a year later. But even in the first episode, yeah. his English was great. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, we had Mr. Haku there to, to, to help him, but he was absolutely fine. And, yeah. you know, I was, yeah, very, very impressed. But I'm always struck by how much Japanese wrestlers we speak to downplay their oh. English when actually they, they, they speak pretty good for the most part many of the people we've spoken to anyway endo being another good example he had some pretty good english too i mean it's the same thing people are apprehensive to make a mistake uh, i think um especially with you'll meet a lot of japanese people and they'll be like i can't speak any english but they'll say it to you in english they'll be like i'm sorry i can't speak any english and you'll be like you're speaking english now and they'll be like no no i i really can't <laughs> but you're doing it and i think it's just yeah that apprehension or um fear of making a mistake or not understanding something so because yeah. i mean it's uh taught in schools over here english oh, wow. for a few years i think uh, as part of the curriculum so most oh, people wow. have a basic understanding of it um whether or not they retain that from school or whether or not they care to remember it <laughs> is one thing but um yeah so but then yeah some people just don't uh don't retain any i guess but no like i don't remember any of my french from secondary school <laughs> For instance, no, no, not very much. I did German in secondary school, and I was like, "When am I ever going to need to learn German?" Oh, no. it's a waste of time. And then I ended up wrestling for yeah. WSW for like five <laughs> years and regularly going. And I was like, mm, 
would have been good to have learned some of that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned Drew going out um, before you. Was that uh, sort of part of the decision-making process in terms of you going out there, or had you already set your sights on moving out to Japan initially? No, no. Um, I'd like always dreamed of living in Japan from like mm. when I was like 16, 17. I was like, oh, that would be like the best thing uh, for me as a wrestler, like the thing I'd most want to do, because I was never interested in um, trying to do WWE or anything like that. Or stuff like that was never appealing to me. But I was mm. like, I'd love to go to Japan. But to me, it was just impossible. It was something that would never happen. So mm. when the opportunity came with DDT and it was, because um, the initial discussion I think we had, and thank goodness I went the other way with it, now knowing what we do about the pandemic and stuff mm. was, uh, I did my first tour and it was like six weeks and then I went back for like 10 days and then I came over for I think seven or eight seven weeks maybe for the DO and uh, the discussion I had with DDT was they were like really like you we really want to use you more we want to have you kind of do a thing where you'll be like in England for one month and then Japan for two months and do that for like the whole year so it'd be on off like floating back and forth sure. and I was like well if we're gonna do that why don't I just come for a whole year instead and it'll yeah. be much less of a stress with travel and stuff like that and i mean thank goodness i did <laughs> or i'd have uh, done what, a month or whatever it was yeah here from february and then gone back and been stuck for the last crikey yeah two years i guess absolutely and i got in like a week before everything closed as yeah, well. the time <laughs> yeah. Was... It, was, it was like a real kind of sliding doors kind of thing but yeah like because I, I remember our last our last live show that we watched was uh you challenging for the progress title up in cardiff Oh that, yeah, yeah, that was like the last show pre-pandemic that we made it to. Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, it wasn't long after that that it was just like, nope, sorry, shows are up. everything's over. Yeah, the timing was definitely very fortunate. Mm. Yeah, so, like it really has felt like you know a real shot in the arm for your sort of career in terms of like getting all the reps in. You know, you've got to wrestle so much in the last two years. You'd have just probably been twiddling your thumbs for like a large amount of that that time and just getting all that kind of exposure in ddt as well i guess was it yeah, felt like that sure. to you yeah no absolutely i think that was my uh, mentality before mm. making the choice to move anyway though i think when they were talking about either coming on or off or the idea of coming for a whole year um i was already feeling like um i was kind of stagnating in mm. england like i'd got as far as I was going to get. I was like in a comfortable position, um, regularly working for like the top companies and stuff, but I felt like I wasn't necessarily getting better or going to get better if I stayed there. Mm. And then when I went to DDT, it was like, oh, this is a challenge again now. This is like, uh, I look at the people around me and I'm like, oh, the, the level here is so high. And I didn't think I was on that level. And it was like, oh, that's motivation to keep trying to get better and stuff. Yeah. Whereas for the last maybe like year or so when I was in England, it was just, uh, because like I say, again, there was the talk of NXT and NXT UK and things like that, but I had no interest in doing any of that. Mm. And I was like, well, what's next? If I, if I don't like, if I hadn't have got that opportunity with, uh, DDT and the chance to go over, there was times when I was even sort of considering like, Oh, maybe I'll just do like another year and then, maybe wrap it up and mm, really? doing Gosh. something else mm. because I just um I wasn't particularly interested in going to America I didn't want to do the NXT UK thing I thought this kind of schedule in Japan was impossible and I would never be able to 
uh, find myself in a position to do it. And then I was just like, well, what is there really left to do? Like, mm. If you're already doing progress, you're mm. already doing RevPro, you're already doing the the OTTs every now and then or whatever. It's yeah. like, oh, what's next? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I don't think there is anything next otherwise. So I was like, mm, I don't know. But yeah. no, all worked out in the end. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, you know, it's, it's funny to think, you know, if again that sliding doors moment if you'd gone the other way and been like oh you know let's i guess let's give nxt uk a go in hindsight you know <laughs> unfortunately very much made the right decision it seems well i mean i don't begrudge anyone no of course um who took that opportunity or wanted to take that opportunity and i think um uh you'll always get negativity and the thing of like oh we'll look at it now it's finished yeah. and so, well but it's finished but the people who decided to do it were able to make a living for the what yeah. those three four years or whatever it's Absolutely. been now and especially during the pandemic when there was no wrestling they were still able to make an mm. income and things like that so i mean if people if it was people's choice to do that um, good for them i guess i mean if they were happy doing it good for, <laughs> good for them yeah it wasn't for me but um yeah we always like liam and i were always chatted just like it must be so frustrating like this the schedule like seemingly wrestling so little Mm. you know if it's something you love to do not getting to do it you know multiple times a week must be kind of a bit of a bummer i guess but you know you're getting that training and you're getting that get that paycheck i guess but yeah like mm. you you just kind of got to go out to dt and wrestling like multiple times a week and then m- more if you wanted with uh choco pro i guess for me yeah like i like wrestling so <laughs> i like wrestling all the time <laughs> if i yeah. can if i uh and I know it's not the same for everyone, obviously. Um, and depend on your career, how long it is and stuff like that. Mm. Obviously, some people, they do get to a point where they'd rather do less and make more money, which I understand. <laughs> like, mm. I can appreciate that. But for me, it's like any day of the week, if I could be wrestling instead, I'd rather yeah. be wrestling than not yeah. wrestling. Yeah. So no, that's a nice I one. like to try and wrestle as much as possible and be busy and things. Mm. Do you know what it was that brought you to the attention of uh, of DDT? Like, was there kind of one thing or was it like kind of a cumulative thing? Um, I don't know uh, necessarily which came first. Uh, we did the Fight Club Pro Project Tokyo show in mm-hmm. uh, 2019, January 2019 at uh, Korakuen. And then I think it was about... Mm, maybe March, March or April. Yeah. Maybe March. DDT contacted Fight Club, uh, offered me and Lycos the same tour together in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, They wanted us to come over as a tag team and do that first tour that I did in uh, June 2019. Um, And then obviously Lycos got injured, retired and whatnot, Mm. like all within like a real quick space of time. Mm. And I think initially I actually pitched it to, to uh, DDT. I was like, oh, Lycos can't make it. He's hurt or whatever. He's not going to be okay to do it. And I was like, do you want uh, someone else to come? Because in my mind, I was like, uh, especially at that time, I think really pigeonholding as like a tag team wrestler. Mm. I didn't think mm. I had a lot to offer as a singles wrestler. So I was like, do you want someone else to come? There's like, I think I suggested Lucky Kid because I was like, oh, we're doing like the Schadenfreude thing yeah. together at the moment. So, and they were like, no, 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 you can just come over as a singles wrestler. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, my whole thing is kind of that I'm a tag team wrestler. And then, like, the first thing they announced me was 
oh, he's going to challenge for the KOD openweight belt against the winner of Endo and Takeshi. And I was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, talk about being thrown in the deep end. <laughs> but then when I came over for that first tour, I think uh, early on, I went out with uh, Takeshi somewhere. He invited me out to, to dinner with him. And mm. he was saying that it was his suggestion. He pitched uh-huh. to Takagi to bring CCK over, which is why uh, last week or whatever it was for his anniversary show, he wanted to uh, finally tick that match off his bucket list because I think he was either into what we were doing at the time or saw what we were doing on the Fight Club show and mm. wanted to have that in DDT. But I mean, also Takagi san came to the Fight Club Korakuen show too. He was like backstage and stuff, and I met him there the first time. So I don't know which came first or, mm. or how it all came about, but glad it glad it did happen. Yeah, just you <laughs> oh, know, when we've nice. talked to Takeshita, like he's talked about you know, kind of scouting international talent like um, uh, Royce from Australia in the past and, you know, other other people. So it seems like he has he cast a real eye all around the world of wrestling for, like, interesting talent. Yeah, he's always watching wrestling and he's always, like, uh, watching stuff from overseas and things. And I think he's really switched on and has his mm. finger on the pulse. I mean, Andrew Everett came over recently and that was Takeshi. Uh, Takesh- <laughs> Why can't I say that? Takeshi's <laughs> suggestion. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's definitely he's always watching and always recommending people to the uh, to the office to bring over. Must be quite nice as well. Now you're getting, and uh, you know now the travel pathways are open. You're getting more guys, guys and girls coming across from the UK. Seeing you mentioned Lycos, we got Kara there at the second. Alex Windsor's doing bits with Tokyo Joshi Pro and Rio as well, for that matter. Um, are you involved at all in that process? Do you sort of? Are you, are you able to make some suggestions or is that down to uh, DDT zone scouting? Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, Rio and uh, Alex Windsor for Tokyo Joshi, they were suggestions that I made to the office. Mm. And I don't know if they'd seen them previously or had been thinking about it, but they asked, um, who would you recommend as like girls from the UK to come over? And I, those two are on the list. And then Kara actually, uh, he first got suggested to DDT by Mao uh, oh, wow. three years ago. Really? When Mao wow. was in England, he did an attack show and uh, he filmed Kara's entrance and sent it to Takagi san. <laughs> he was like, oh, this wrestler's really interesting. You should yeah. bring him over to DDT. And then even when I was like going over there doing my first tour, Takagi was talking about bringing over Kara. And I was like, he's really good. Um, but obviously they had like their schedule lined up. It was, mm. uh, I did the summer tour and then something else. And then I did the winter tour, which was the DO leading into when I was going to move over there in 2020. Uh, and then I think Bailey came for like a week or two. And I think Cara was probably next on their list of someone that they were going to bring over until the pandemic hit. And then the whole time they were just like, oh shit, <laughs> we still want to use him. Like it would, it would regularly come up when like talking about like, oh, are things going to open yet? Takagi would always be like, I still want to bring Kara Noir over. And I think uh so Mao was the first person that suggested him. How but funny. I obviously when Takagi would uh Takagi san anytime we would mention it, would be like, Yeah, he's great, he's really good. You should definitely um get him over. And then the timing was quite funny. Um I was actually having a conversation with um Takagi and Mao a few months ago at like a DDT show about how they wanted to bring Kara over again. And then I think I spoke to Kara a little bit afterwards and he was like, oh, I still really want to come to Japan. Like, off, like just without prior knowledge. And I was like, they were talking about it <laughs> like 
two days ago. I yeah. think they're probably going to send you an offer very soon. <laughs> and then I think someone, I think they got in touch with him like a few days after that and oh, yeah. arranged this tour and things. So worked out nicely. You love to oh, see it. Nice. I kind of think the way you and Drew have done it, it's a bit like what you get in football where you get, you know, most people, most English players play their whole career in England, but you get a few people that go off to Spain or go off to Italy and, you know, they sort of gain that experience and then come back. Um, do you think sort of what you've done and what Drew's done will give more folks in the UK an impetus to try and stay for a bit longer in Japan or a different country in general and actually kind of embed themselves in a promotion elsewhere? Um, maybe. I mean, only speaking from my experience, it's worked out really well for me, but yeah. I understand too that uh, that kind of style of touring isn't necessarily for everyone. Um, a lot of wrestlers have other jobs or they have relationships or family, you know, kids or whatever, and like wouldn't want to do that same sort of thing. But I think um, if there was any young wrestler, young wrestler who wanted to try and do something like that, it's definitely something I'd encourage them to do. I think it's been invaluable for me, an invaluable learning experience. And I think I've been able to get a lot better by being here for so long and doing it. But um, yeah, I appreciate it's not for everybody perhaps, but if anyone sees it, sees me and Drew and whatever, and they think, oh, I could probably try that. Yeah, give it a go. <laughs> give it a go. I recommend it. Well, should we pause here in terms of wrestling and jump on to <laughs> our silly questions if we if we if you'll indulge us for a minute um okay so it's a, a little section of the the interview that tends to generate um some controversy um particularly Uh-oh. this first question <laughs> um so what is your favorite pizza topping favorite pizza topping uh, it's a very boring answer i like uh i like a standard pepperoni best so it's a dips. safe answer. You don't want the drama. With the dips. So. But the dips are the, uh, they're the key ingredient. Like, I like to, because in England, uh, when you get Domino's pizza, you can get the hot buffalo, the honey mustard, the, the garlic and herb one, the barbecue. And the fun thing for me is having kind of a plain pizza and alternating between dips and getting those different tastes, different flavor combinations mm-hmm. each bite, which is, a very upsetting thing about Domino's Pizza in Japan is they don't have any uh, dips. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Uh, Domino's, Domino's Japan, every pizza shop, they're all uh, dipless. Yeah. If you get a pizza hut, you can you can order a small sachet of green chili sauce. Uh, but that's it, really. Domino's, that's they'll give starving. you some barbecue sauce in a little sachet if you buy some chicken nuggets you can't get it with can't get it with a pizza can't add it wow. to your uber order and it's been very upsetting for me for the last two and a half years to be honest i'm just imagining you with like a fridge just entirely full of condiments now just like for pizza you're absolutely not wrong my fridge is literally just beer and condiments beer and condiments and there's actually currently in there a kfc box like a kfc uh you know the regular but, yeah open out box and it's just entirely full of dips because I don't know why, because they usually don't do it. But I was on Uber Eats one time 
And for whatever reason, you could actually add the barbecue sauce and the honey mustard to your cart. Yeah. So I added about uh, 20 of each <laughs> and they sent them all just in a big box. And now I keep it in the fridge. And if I eat yeah. pizza or something, I'll use those. You <laughs> sell those on the black market, yeah. though, sounds like it. Yeah. Because Got. the barbecue sauce in stores, it's not really the same. Mm. It's not very, it's not, it's not as really? good. And you can't really get a good bottled honey mustard in, in stores either. And then there is a pizza shop near where I live where you like can order a slice or two and they're like really big slices and they have like a hot sauce that you can buy from there. So I got a bottle of that. Got a bottle of that hot sauce, box full of barbecue and honey mustard, mayonnaise, ketchup, uh, Tabasco sauce. That's about it. <laughs> I wish there was garlic and herb, but I've never found it anywhere. I just don't think it exists unfortunately you have to scoop yeah. some up on your on your uk tour and then export it no i'll have to film fill my suitcase with it <laughs> or, or send a bunch over anything to declare yes yeah. <laughs> oh and you can't you can't do barbecue base on pizzas here oh really this which is- i think all oh these gosh. things combined is why my pizza order has become so boring mm-hmm. <laughs> because there's like a lot of restrictions when i was in england i would always get uh the dominoes and i'd get the the stuff, the crust where it's like layered with the garlic and herb sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that crust, but change it for a barbecue base, mm-hmm. and then I get meatballs and sausage on it, and then the garlic flakes on the top, or the chili flakes, and then I'd have the dips with it as well. Yeah. Oh, geez, that was so my you really go-to have then. been boiled down then as yeah. a result of this. Well, yeah, because here it's dipless pepperoni, no barbecue <laughs> bases. And then even the even the pizza toppings they do have are a bit bizarre, like that potato one that they do potato and mayonnaise oh, yeah. or whatever it is. That's the one that May was telling us about. Yeah, it sounded uh, interesting. Was, yeah, no, I'm not into that. No, thank you. No <laughs> potato mayonnaise for me. They do. A, I think what is it? A teriyaki, not teriyaki. Teriyaki chicken or beef, and it comes with seaweed and stuff on it. Mm. I don't. I have no interest in that. A bridge, a bridge too far. <laughs> So yeah, I'm quite quite fussy now with the pizza. It just has to be a plain mm. cheese, pepperoni, and then something to dip it in. That's that's pretty good. Relating to Choco Pro, uh, we ordered some pizza the one time. We were having a little get together in the uh, second room, but while we were doing the get together in the second room, I think May and Shea and someone were doing a stream, like one of their night streams in the other room. So we order some pizza and we order one, and it's like pepperoni. That's the one I'm going to eat, and then we order another one. It's a bunch of vegetables or whatever, or potato or something. And um, we're like, oh, they're streaming in there. It'd be nice to give them a bit of the pizza. Someone should take some in and offer it. So they take <laughs> the pizza in. And then we keep on drinking it and carrying on or whatever. I'm like, I haven't had a slice of that pepperoni pizza yet. I want some. So I go in there and Chie's eating the entire thing. <laughs> and I was like, Chie, that was, uh, that was my pizza. I was offering you a slice. <laughs> and, and her response was, だけど美味しかった. Like, oh, I'm sorry, but it was delicious. And I was like, well, I know it was, I know it was delicious. It was my pizza. I wanted to eat it. And then she was like, I'm so sorry, but it was delicious. And I was like, yeah, well, I, your enjoyment of it doesn't make me feel any better about the fact that you ate it all. But she is a fiend for both pizza and chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Oh, really? Yeah, it just engulfs them. It's where horrifying. all the energy comes yeah, from. That's just... it. <laughs> That's the, the secret. <laughs> Who let her have a sword? I don't know, but every time she whips it out, I think that's a dreadful idea. Yeah, <laughs> especially in this area where it's already such a small space with so much broken stuff in it. And then she is constantly like <laughs> clanging the light fittings. And it's like, Incredible. what are you doing? 
<laughs> she is an in, she is a she's a character. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> she's yeah. a character, but terrifyingly, is not a character. She is one hundred percent she in real life. That's who she is, which is alarming. <laughs> How has this been allowed to happen? She's scary, especially when she drinks alcohol. Oh no! I can't even imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Soon is falling off chairs and just crying on the floor and being overly <laughs> emotional. It's like the end, like when they'll play Jankin sometimes and she'll get really emotional about Jankin at the end of a show and start crying. <laughs> and I'm sure like there's even perhaps sometimes people who are like, oh, she's putting it on a little bit. She's like trying to make it more dramatic. No, no, that's like, that's how quick the switch is. <laughs> she'll be drinking and then just think of something slightly sad and start welling up and then the next oh thing she's sitting on the floor and everyone's like Chia, are you all right come on you've had three sips of an apple sour get up <laughs> dramatically oh collapsing those like falls that she does during Jankin, she'll do when she's drunk too just off a chair and you're like what just are you doing throwing herself around she's a ball of danger <laughs> to herself and everyone else <laughs> All the more, all the more reason to like her for those that are like distant. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, no, 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 she's she's great. Um, couldn't be around her every day. No, <laughs> she's good in doses. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, she's she's someone I think we'd love to we'd love to speak to sometime in the future. Like she seems a lot of fun. I, I don't know if we do this at AM slot. Yeah, no. I think uh, we need to. <laughs> we'd need to have a bit more energy. 7 a.m. slot might be a good time to catch her. She's usually quite sleepy when she first arrives for like a chopper pro morning show. So maybe that's probably the ideal time. That's the one. When she's tired and (laughs) she'll be a bit more manageable. Well, she's had like her triple espresso. She doesn't, I've never seen her even drink an energy drink. I don't know why she's so hyper. (laughs) Doesn't drink soda, doesn't drink Mm -hmm. energy drinks. Don't know. Never drinks coffee, I don't think. Gosh, wow. It's just the secret to her power is. Uh, housing Domino's pizzas that aren't hers. Oh, <laughs> she's, she's very good at that. <laughs> um, so, uh, next sort of question along these lines is what's your go to 7 uh, Eleven order? Like, if you're just 7 like, Eleven, bit hungover, uh, never, need some snacks. I'd never be caught dead in a 7 Eleven. No, I'm what a Lawson your... or a Family Mart okay, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're... For, okay, from your go to convenience store, what is your, your snack order? Uh, Depends. Family Mart right now, they do uh, the crispy chicken, not mm-hmm. the family chicken. The crispy chicken, it's more like a chicken tender. Uh, it's pretty dreadful, the basic one. But they do a habanero hot one right now that is like spicy uh, batter. It's kind of red. I think I tweeted it a few days ago when I was eating it before a DDT bus. That's good. Um, and then this, the Family Mart, uh, the uh, tuna mayonnaise maki rolls, the mm-hmm. ones that you like roll up not the onigiri they're really good too but their uh their onigiri is great as well or their uh soy soy sauce soy rice onigiri the more soft one rather than the crispy seaweed that's good and then lawson uh kariage kun is good uh what else is good there their tuna mayonnaise onigiri is pretty good too they've got a new flavor steak sauce kariage kun at the moment like the fried chicken bites that's pretty decent uh, and then what else is good in the in the different convenience? Lawson has really good beef jerky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Family Mart. Family Mart has a pretty good hashed potato. Mm. And Family Mart will regularly have interesting flavors of the uh, the soft buns as well. 
Lawson's soft buns, they're pretty boring. They do pizza, they do pork. That's like mm-hmm. it. But Family Mart, they'll uh, they'll do collaborations with the Cocoa Curry Shop and they'll have like curry ones, spicy chicken. They're pretty decent. Nice, <laughs> nice. Can be the expert. It's amazing the quality of uh, sort of convenience store snack foods over there by the sounds of things. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Um, but I don't like 7-Eleven. I don't no. like anything they do. I find their their snack menu very boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like their fried chicken. Uh, they have no... Um, they have no uh, kind of chicken bite option. Family might have the poke, poke chicken. Mm-hmm. which is like their version of Lawson's Karagakum, like the chicken bites. 7-Eleven, they don't have anything, and I don't respect so, that. So they're them. dead to <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Family chicken, family chicken is okay sometimes, but again, I don't really like the plain one. I don't find I feel like it doesn't have much taste. They did one once with garlic cheese in. That was really good. Garlic cheese? That was probably that a much good, longer and more complicated answer about convenience. <laughs> <stuff>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, it's something I'm very passionate about. Yeah, I like that this is something you have strong feelings on. <laughs> yeah, wrestling, I'm really neither here nor there. Like, but ambivalent. Convenience store food, yeah. yeah. A lot of strong feelings. <laughs> and I'm still upset about the fact in Japan, um, when I first came here, you could get Red Bull, but not in a can, but in a can bottle. Mm-hmm. Have you been? Oh, okay. Have you seen yeah, that yeah. before? It's like a tin bottle. It was like a bit bigger than a can yeah. and a screw top. And that was that was the best. I don't know what it was about the the particular type of metal that was used to make the can, but it just stayed colder for longer. Mm. And I would I would drink those every day. And then for some reason, without without word or notice, one day they were gone <laughs> from all the convenience. <laughs> and they just they finished doing the metal version, the metal screw cap version of Red Bull. And it was I couldn't oh. believe it. I was like, oh, this shop's just sold out. And then I went to another and I was like, this is not anywhere. Where is it gone? I tried googling it. I was like, "Have they finished it? Like, where is it?" And I would like ask people on the DDT roster, "Where, no? where have the screw Red Bull cans gone? I haven't seen one in weeks." And he'd be like, "Oh yeah, I guess I haven't seen one in a while either." And I was like, "Why has no one noticed?" <laughs> Sounds like you're trapped in an episode of the Twilight Zone. Like nobody's noticed this huge thing that's changed. No one, no, no one has noticed. No one else cares. I think it's I like um. I mean, well, I was probably the only person drinking it, and that's why it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes me think of Orangino over here. We used to get it in the knobbled glass bottle, and now mm. it's no. And then they just changed it. It doesn't taste as good. It's uh, it tastes as good. That's right. Red Bull crime. from a can doesn't taste as good as it did from a screw cap tin bottle. It really doesn't. But the same applies to Monster. You can still get screw top Monster, and I think that tastes better than a pool can. Mm. Don't know mm. why. Mm, don't know yeah. why there's got to be something to it something's going on there i feel like we've uh we need to understand the science picked up on a story here yeah for sure <laughs> i'm gonna google it again after now i'd forgotten about it too i still need answers back on the case um yeah how about karaoke have you embraced karaoke uh culture since you've been out there and if so what's oh. your what's your song oh god yeah me and drew always end up in karaoke when we're drunk it's always go to an izakaya first get a bit hammered and then end up in karaoke where drew will inevitably sing the same three songs every time which (laughs) much to my detest because i don't particularly like any of the songs he sings Mm -hmm. i'm trying to remember what the three are now it's always uh jeremy by pearl jam uh creep by radiohead and what else does he always sing oh jaded by aerosmith (laughs) Not the most uplifting uh, selection. 
He's not a very uplifting person no. when he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> when he's drunk and emotional on the karaoke. But those oh, three it. songs, especially the Pearl Jam one, because the Pearl Jam song, Jeremy, are you familiar with it? Yes. It doesn't particularly ebb and flow much. It doesn't have a lot in terms of variety. It's literally just Drew bawling for four minutes. <laughs> Jeremy spoke in class today over it's, and over It's over real again. just mumbly as well, but that's like Eddie Vedder full stop. I don't hate Pearl Jam, but I do hate Drew Parker's rendition of Pearl Jam. <laughs> and I do hate his rendition of Creep by Radiohead as well, because it's just so tragically sad when you're like already, <laughs> you're, you're already like six beers deep and you're like, oh, let's go do karaoke. That'll be fun. And in the lobby, they always have like the baskets where you can get your, uh, your tambourines and your uh, maracas. And like, We're going to have a good time. And then the second you get in there, you're on the phone ordering the drinks. Yeah, we'll take uh, two two beers, please. Oh, wait, no, Drew doesn't want beer. He's too drunk. Uh, a beer and a lemon sour, please. And then before you know it, dun, 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 creeps up on the screen again. He's like firing up the microphone. It's like, oh, God, here we go. Oh, gosh, that's so great. Um, so you don't have like a go-to. You're just kind of like, how am oh, I my go-to? The moment? Yeah. My go-to is always uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf. Mm. Which is um, I, another sad story of something that is always tragically cut short. There's no karaoke. I think, actually, there's not no. I found one once. I found one karaoke shop where they had the full version of the song. Yeah. And then every other version of it I've done in any karaoke shop in Japan always gets to the part where they're about to... Uh, are you familiar with this song? I'm not familiar with this song. No, no. I'm going to have to go listen to it after this. That's... It's like a running narrative of like the, this young couple and they're finally going to they're finally gonna do it today. They're going to they're gonna <laughs> go all the way together for the first time. <laughs> and there's a part in the song where it like breaks down and as they're about to get there, they're about to get to the moment. It, it switches and it has like a baseball commentary narrative over the top of it mm. being like, oh, he's going to make it. Da, 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 da. <laughs> And then after that, the woman puts the brakes on and she's like, stop, before we go any further, you've got to tell me if you're going to love me forever. And there's like a whole back and forth and another like three minutes. And every time it's building to that big crescendo and then the song just fades out and the oh, screen no. comes up, paradise by the dashboard light. And I'm like, no, no, it's not finished. You didn't get to the best part. <laughs> but it's a good participation song, that one, because it's a constant back and forth between mm. the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the man and the woman in the song so you can you can assign your side i'll give drew the uh, the woman's parts and i'll do the man <laughs> and then we'll just go back with each other oh great fantastic. karaoke song fun a positive topic about love <laughs> big nice dramatic ballad i think that's a good choice yeah. whereas drew just sings mopey shit <laughs> He's, mopey he's sad working through some stuff like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> clearly <laughs> No, so I'm trying to think if there's a, a positive song that Drew will sing. Mao loves to sing I Miss You by Blink-182. Ah. <laughs> That's Mao's favourite karaoke song. I do think it's, sort of, it's, it's pretty revealing. I definitely have a video. I won't show you. I definitely have a video of Drew and Mao singing karaoke together. Oh, incredible. Shirtless, I'll, uh, I'll add. <laughs> of course. And I'm gonna, <laughs> Is there any other I'm way? Gonna, evidently not. And I'm going to check it and see what they're singing. Because they're quite enthusiastic about it so it must have been something positive mm -hmm. let's have a listen they're singing want you bad by the offspring oh, incredible. <laughs> classic oh great somewhat more positive for yeah. drew but yeah, yeah it's it's getting there yeah <laughs> i don't know why but inevitably depending on who you go to karaoke with if it's drew or mao or imanari as well they're always going to end up tops off in the karaoke booth <laughs> <for whatever reason. laughs> Another good choice is Come On Eileen. 
but that inevitably is a is a tops off song. That's yeah. like yeah. family Jump, uh, jumping up and down. Yeah. Family party circa 2002 at the working men's club. <laughs> Your <laughs> aunties and uncles are there, and come on, Eileen comes on. The toys are coming off. They're going around the heads. <laughs> yeah. You get that sort of walk up to the floor like yeah. that. It's just crazy. <laughs> that confident strut yeah. from yeah, Aunt Jane. It. Oh, this is this is her moment. She's waited all night. She's waited all night for is it Dex's Midnight Runners? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> waited oh, all night it. for this. Now oh, the time okay. has come. Um, you mentioned about the drawing earlier and, and darts actually, but um, are there any other hobbies that you you're particularly into that people might not know about? Mm. Mm. No, I don't think so. Playing video games, reading, playing darts, always playing darts, uh, drinking a lot most <laughs> days. That would, I, if I had to assign something as my number one hobby, I would say wrestling, but technically that's my job and I get paid to do it. So <laughs> in terms of like what would be the number one hobby, it's probably consuming beer. What's your go-to? Yeah. Have you got something in particular? You... What's the go-to Japanese beer? Mm, my favorite Japanese beers are either Asahi Super Dry or Sapporo Kuro Label, mm-hmm. Black Label, uh, which is just like the basic can of Sapporo or Asahi yeah. that you would get, really. I think they're my favorite two. And then obviously the Kirin. Kirin's okay. I don't like it as much. Uh, premium malts is pretty decent. Uh, Yibis beer, that's okay, but a bit of a strong taste. But it costs more. Everyone's like, "That's the premium one," but I'm not mm. really that into it. And then, uh, what's the uh, Okinawa beer? Orion. Orion beer is good. I really like that, but you only get it in certain places. I mean, you can get it in convenience, but draft Orion, you only get in certain mm. shops like uh, Okinawa style izakayas. Um, Premium malts, I'm not that keen on typically, but it's the beer they serve at Abisco and they serve it in an iced glass. Oh, wow. And it's really delicious there. So if you're in Tokyo, eventually, yeah. <laughs> go to the DDT Izakaya Abisco and have a, a Nama Biru and they'll give you a, a really frosty cold glass of the premium malts. But yeah, I would say Super Dry or a Black Label uh, Sapporo. Going to the DDT bar is pretty high on the uh, the list. I'm getting married next year and the honeymoon's going to be to japan so i'm going to be Ooh. dragging my my poor then wife to the DD, who, who's not a big wrestling fan to the ddt bar well i don't think you, uh, the bar or the izakaya which one are you going to drag it to or both Five. ddt has three bars uh, just everywhere have, uh... i possibly can that and uh the minoru suzuki shop and yeah just anywhere i can wrestling related as well as as many shows as uh, as, as possible <laughs> They have the uh, Ibisco is the downstairs. It's like mm-hmm. in the basement. That's the izakaya, like the food one, where it's like a lot of the menu is pork based. Oh, wow. uh, Gote, Hashi, and uh, Obi, and Kudo-san, they all work there. And then on the eighth floor of the same building mm-hmm. is Dropkick, which is just the drinks bar. There's no food. You can oh, order yeah. food up from downstairs, but that's where like uh, you'll always see the younger guys doing the drinking events and stuff like that. And then Swan Dive is over in Shinjuku Nichome mm-hmm. and that's Mikey Nawe, the ring announcer he's like the head one there and that's nice. more of like a classy bar mm. they have like loads of nice fancy whiskeys and stuff yeah and want, want, some, want some Japanese highballs cute little plates of like fancy food I never go to Swan Dive <laughs> <I'm not laughs> too, fancy too classy. so I imagine it's as well classy for me 
I imagine as well you would have enjoyed the uh, the the beers out in Thailand as well. They're they're known for some uh, some pretty good beers out there. Oh god, yeah, and the the way the style of drinking it, the the ice beer, yes, mind blowing, but so good. Like you get the the bin beer, bottled beer, the big bottle of it, mm-hmm. and then a bucket of ice, and then you get your glasses, and everyone so piece good. of ice in there, fill it with the beer. Singani, uh, singer or uh, Chang, or yeah. what was the other one? Singer, Chang, and I feel like there was one more. Is it Tiger? I the name of it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. It's been a while since I was in Thailand. But yeah, Thai the... beer. <laughs> I'm Googling it. Singer, <laughs> Chang. Uh, oh, no, maybe it was just those two. Yeah. yeah. Those are like the big boys, oh. aren't they? Mm. They're the popular two. They're both great, especially with ice. But you can't really get those over here. Had you been to Thailand before? Was that your first before this? No, recent? no, that was my uh, first time here. First time in Thailand. Really fun. Really fun. And um, especially Bangkok, such like an energetic, bustling oh, yeah. place. Like so loud and vibrant all the time. It's wild, isn't it? The streets. It's crazy, but it's so nice. Everyone was so friendly and warm and welcome in there too, I think. Uh, it kind of reignited my uh, desire to go traveling again and stuff mm-hmm. because... I'd kind of been all the the bucket list places as a wrestler that you think about going. I was like, oh, you know, when I started wrestling, I want to go America, Canada, Mexico, Germany, uh, Japan, obviously. And I've done like those now, and it's like, oh, it's not particularly anywhere I'm like particularly keen on going. Mm. But I did want to go to Thailand because of, like the Gato Move Association. Yeah, and course. then when I did it, I was like, oh, no, this is fucking fun. I want to go more places like this that... I wasn't necessarily thinking of going, but I went there and saw all this wonderful stuff and had a great time. So I think, yeah, Thailand was super fun, mm. really fun. There is that little kind of growing scene in Southeast Asia, isn't there? Like I think the Philippines have yeah. got quite a biggish promotion. And uh, I want to say there's one in Vietnam. It's certainly in Singapore, yeah. So. I think Massa's wrestled in Vietnam before. And then I think, mm. yeah, Philippines, Malaysia, Singapore is, they have a couple there. And then, uh, yeah. So I think now, like, that's my next kind of goal in terms of place yeah. I want to go. I want to get around to more of that scene and see more of what's going on there. More than, like, um, I've done, I feel like, stuff in Europe before. Not completed. I mean, I'm going back to WXW soon. But in terms of, like, there's no way that I've got in mind as, like, the next mm. place I'd like to go in Europe. Mm. Like, there isn't really anywhere I'm considering or thinking, like, I'd like to go there. I guess... Italy. I've never wrestled in in Italy in Italy before, and I know there's some wrestling over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did Germany and Para. I uh, did Paris once, and so hmm. yeah. Sorry, I waffled off. No, 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 no not, at off. not at all. What about Mexico? Have you wrestled there before? Yeah, I did uh, one show there in 20, 2018 maybe. Mm. Uh, progress were doing their coast to coast tour where they did like that uh, one week tour of america mm. and that was like uh philadelphia new york philadelphia new york boston seattle detroit chicago and then uh, me and lycos and british strong star got the offer to fly in a day earlier and then go straight to mexico to tijuana and do a show for the crash so we did that there and then I was literally in Mexico for about, I don't know, 12 hours, maybe. <laughs> we like arrived, <laughs> a real flying went visit. to this wrestling museum, did the show. And then immediately we went uh, back up to California and then flew California to Philadelphia, landed in the morning of the Progress Philadelphia show and went straight to the venue to go and Jeez. do that. 
so that was hard but uh yeah i did that one show in mexico ticked it off the list <laughs> so <laughs> um this is an addendum to the the silly questions but i wondered with mm. you know the association with calamari are you actually a calamari fan or is it just uh has it just been a branding thing uh yeah not really <laughs> not particularly <laughs> um i definitely will eat it a lot more now than i ever did when i lived in england i'll have like uh i quite enjoy like a yakisoba with some squid mm. in there or mm. uh, a bit of octopus or if i go to osaka i'll always try and uh osaka i'll always try and eat a bit of uh takoyaki or something like that so i'll eat a bit now dabble in it a little bit but not not especially if i know <laughs> gotta protect them but yeah so that was my uh, excuse when i first came over because when i was living in england prior i'd never i was never someone who would eat squid or uh, mm. octopus mm. i didn't really like it all so my first argument to kind of refuse it when people came over and they'd be like, do you want this? I'd be like, no, it's cannibalism. I can't, <laughs> I can't eat my own kind. But then I like started and I was like, oh, it's actually not that bad. So I'll eat a little bit of it. Not a real fan of it with the sushi. Mm-hmm. I find the the chewiness of it just off-putting. Yeah, but I get that. It's okay. So we touched on sort of goals um, in terms of internationally. Um, what else is on your mind in terms of wrestling that you'd like to achieve or be it in DDT or, or elsewhere. Sort of what are the, the sort of short and long-term goals that are still outstanding? Um I think now really just uh in terms of like next week going over, uh, not next week, in three days going back to England and doing progress and stuff like <clears throat> it's fun for me to do it this time because it's doing it with Massa and doing the CDK thing. And yeah. that's sort mm. of uh, a new new challenge a new flavor to kind of introduce that to people who might not have seen it before and i think if people see it and are into it or like it and then that in turn helps get more eyes on ddt or choco pro get the move that'd be like really nice mm-hmm. same with like wxw i think um i think it's the third or somewhat uh, third or fourth time maybe that i've done tag league so i mean if it was just doing it again under the same conditions as before yeah. i don't think it would be particularly uh interesting but i think getting to do it with master and with this new thing it's um uh fresh feeling i guess so mm. i think uh yeah i want to do more cdk overseas stuff i think that would be fun kind of the same thing i feel like applies as far as i'm concerned with like america like um i'd love to go over and do uh some cdk stuff in america or like a gato move tour or like something with ddt mm-hmm. but i think if i just went over as a singles person it's not like um it's not uh particularly motivating for me mm. since i've done it before yeah it feels like something that i've done before so i want to keep obviously trying to do new things so i'd like to do something like that in america for sure um and then yeah long term just stick with ddt keep trying to help raise the profile of ddt or like at least the international profile mm. uh same with like the little bits for like tokyo joshi and stuff with the english commentary mm. it's like fun to do stuff like that if it can help make it more accessible for someone yeah. so yeah i mean future goals really just more of the same <laughs> <laughs> doing more of the same no that's good because it does feel like both all, all the brands you mentioned are brands it's such a horrible word isn't it all the companies you mentioned are all on the app, you know, DDT and mm. Tokyo Joshi getting that sort of AEW 
link up exposure, um, which I think mm-hmm. is helping. And same with to move to an, to a lesser extent. But I just feel like that, you know, my, my heart is with Gato Move. I love that. Mm. Um, and so that feels like it's sort of a, a more organic process. Like that will just kind of get bigger and bigger over time. But um, I noticed you did the, you work the AW video game uh, launch shows in Japan. Was that, uh, what was that like? Was that um, good fun? And was there any sort of likelihood of any further integration with AW and DDT, do you think? Uh yeah, it was fun to do. I mean, um, I think I only found out about it like four days before. So mm. <laughs> it was quite a surprise. <laughs> I didn't really have much time to think about it. But then it's it's one of those things where um, it's cool to do. Like, it's nice to do because it's like, oh, it's like an AEW branded show and an AEW branded ring and stuff. But then it's at like a video games convention. <laughs> and the majority of the audience, like uh, either there was like some DDT fans that knew it was happening and stuff like that. So they came along and watched. And then primarily it's just people who have no concept or real prior interest in wrestling. They're just at the games convention because they wanted to go see all the try out new demos, things like that, get freebies. And then like, Oh, there's just a wrestling ring there. We'll we'll go and watch (laughs) it. So it's like, it's interesting. It's, um, it's good for me to do because obviously just that like association is uh, good for your, your profile, I suppose your, your metaphorical stock as mm. it were. Mm. But then, I mean, in terms of doing it, yeah, it was, uh, it was doing wrestling for people who have no idea what wrestling is mostly. So it's not comparable to like, uh, it's hard to quantify because it's like, Oh, you did an AW thing kind of, but similarly, not really at all because it like, like isn't for an AW audience with, um, there was a couple of like office people there and I, I think and obviously I got to wrestle um, Christopher Daniels and that was really cool and fun and he was uh, he was great to wrestle so uh, the people that I did meet that were from AEW they were all nice they were all cool I don't know if it necessarily is like any indication of something that would lead to something else mm. um, I didn't even I, didn't, I haven't really thought <laughs> a lot about <laughs> it either it was just like oh that's nice to do that's yeah. fun to do that was yeah. cool. Yeah, I got to wrestle Christopher Daniels, so that's cool. And I wrestled Takeshita, so always fun. Yeah. But yeah. Um, hmm. And you know, fun. as, a, as a video game, as a video game fan yourself, did you get to walk the the floor of the convention? Did you have a little one no. around? Oh no. No, I, did. oh no, I didn't. I didn't. I. I mean, I like playing video games, but I'm not. Um, uh, not that. Cal- not that caliber of nerd. Not not that, but like. Not enthusiastic to that level. Like I like the games I like to play. I like playing yeah. Apex. I like playing Overwatch. But in terms of just like going around and getting a picture with Sonic the Hedgehog, and stuff, <laughs> okay. got no, got yeah. no interest. No, the two, the two days. Uh, I'm trying to think. Actually, what was the second day? The first day, uh, when I wrestled to uh, Christopher Daniels, because uh, the games convention was like uh, wherever it was, and then afterwards. I because I was on the earlier show, I quickly got chains left and I went to uh Massa's uh barbecue that he was having and uh got drunk afterwards. And then the <laughs> next day, uh in Ichigaya, there was the Choco Pro show in the morning, and then Lycos was leaving in the night, he was getting his flight or whatever. Mm-hmm. So again, I wrestled, quickly got changed, got back on the train, went to Ichigaya, yeah. and <laughs> just had a few beers there. So no, I saw no video games things, I got no. I got no samples. I just went there, wrestled quickly, got 
changed and then buggered off both days. <laughs> too much of a social life. Too too busy. There's too yeah. much. How can I go around looking at video games when there's beer on the table waiting? <laughs> Very um, true. Those are the those are the options I had to weigh up. So I was like, ah oh, well, beer wins. Sorry, SpongeBob. <laughs> Sorry, SpongeBob. You. I didn't get to sample. <laughs> The latest SpongeBob game. The SpongeBob booth was like right next to the ring. I Incredible. think it's a THQ game as well. <laughs> so oh my goodness! SpongeBob and people playing something. I didn't see it. Um, you've been very generous with your time. I massively appreciate it. Um, final question for you. You've had so many tag teams over the years, and mm. kind of revolutionised the way that I think of tag teams because you could previously throw two people together, and I think that's not really a team. But it turns out if you just make a Calamari-related name, all of a sudden you do view it as a team, Tropic Calamari being a good example of that. So given all the different people you've tagged with, who's sort of left on the list of people that you'd like to make a Calamari-based team with? Um, Who is left? Indeed. Uh, It's hard to think now because I've teamed with... You have teamed with a lot of people. Not even like under calamari puns, but like so many of the ridiculous people you could think to (laughs) shout out at a moment like this. DDT is so ridiculous. I've just actually teamed with them. (laughs) Like (laughs) the likes of like Super Delphin or Minoru Suzuki or uh, Atsushi Onita. It's like, yeah, I've done all those. Um, (laughs) Who do I want to team with? Uh, uh, Great Sasuke for sure. That's still someone that I've not wrestled or been in a ring with that I'd like to be. Um, Takamichinoku would be fun because I'm a big uh, Michinoku yeah. pro from like the 90s nerd. I've got a poster yeah. on the wall, check. Also, the Dick Togo, that'd be fun. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, I did book Men's Tale on my own produce show, but I wasn't in the match with him. So that'd be fun. Yeah, that was do. cool to see, actually. Yeah. That was really cool to see. That was, uh, yeah, because when I was like, uh, about, what, 16, 17, 18? They were doing like the whole men's club thing in uh, Japan at the time and then they would do their own produce shows and stuff. And it felt like a continuation of like that Michinoku Pro mm. style with guys like uh, Shinobu and um, Hagane Shino, Madoka, as he was then, stuff like that. So that was really fun to be able to do on that show. Um, I'd love to wrestle Kai and Tai. I don't want to team with them. I want to have a match against Kai and Tai. I want to mm. tag with... I want to tag with like Takeshita and Ueno and Masa. We'll make a four piece and we'll get which kind of members can we get together? Taka, uh, Dick Togo, uh, Teo, Funaki. Is Funaki still wrestling? Show Funaki. No, in the US? No, yeah, we could, I'm sure that's He's in America, yeah. right? Kaz Hayashi's around. Shiryu. Yeah. Oh, get him in. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd like to do that. There we go. Nice. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. We really do appreciate it. And best of luck for the, the remainder of the year, the UK tour and uh, and everything into the future. Hopefully we can catch up with you again at some point. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we're back. And that was the fantastic Christopher Brooks. Oh, amazing. So glad that we finally got to have that conversation. Really appreciate Chris for coming on and just being such a good sport as well. It was such a good laugh. Yeah. I don't think we've ever spent as much time on the silly question section as we did with Chris. So that oh, was... yeah, we, we got real in depth there. 
buy this man some garlic and herb dip. He needs it. Um, <laughs> yeah, if, if you're going out to Japan for anything, you know, you need an extra suitcase just for that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Hook a guy up. Um, but there we go, friends. Really hope you enjoyed that. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on the socials, Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingPod, Wrestling About the E. Uh, wrestlingpod at gmail.com again wrestling about the e is where you can send us an email wrestlingpod.com is the link tree the place to find our personal twitters our brand spanking new patreon links to listen to places to share if you would be so kind as to consider leaving us a review or rating on your podcast platform of choice that still goes a long way we're very grateful for that and also a Kofi as well. You can send us a Kofi on there too. So that's at wrestlingpod.com, wrestling about the E. Gareth, are we done? I think so. I think we're done. And we... also, I think it might be coffee, but I think we're wrestling fans, so it'll always be Kofi to us. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, no, it's Kofi, baby. We're doing this. Um, <laughs> I'm sticking to my mispronunciation. Look, friends, thanks so much again. Episode 100. Really, really grateful for your support. And we're officially out of here. So in the meantime, stay happy, stay safe, and enjoy the graps. Enjoy the graps.